to, uh, to the sermon. I like the pace of things here. Uh, it's pretty quick. It's great. Good to be here in New York. It's my first time to be invited to speak in a setting like this. I'm excited. So you guys better be with me and help me to preach well. My name is C.S. My wife, Faith, is with me, but not here in the vicinity. She's actually uh, teaching to your children's uh, Sunday school. And I have three more girls, Sarah, Mercy, and Ella. They are eight, six, and four. That's right. I live with a lot of women in my house. It's party every day, you know. As soon as I get home, they are like, Daddy, he's home. I'm like, yeah, Mom. So it's a, it's a great day. Uh, it's, it's good to be here today. Thank you, Pastor, for the invitation, and, glad, and I'm glad to be here with you today. My name, uh, we are Chi Alpha Campus Missionaries. It is a um, campus ministry within the Assemblies of God Church. My wife and I are ordained ministers with the Assemblies of God for several years, and we have the privilege to serve among university students uh, in the great Used to be in the great state of Texas, now it's changed, the great state of Massachusetts in the city of Boston. There are 35 universities within five mile radius, 152,000 students. That's right, did you? That's a lot of students in the five mile radius, right? And 35 schools, and they are not just any schools. People who come to Boston will reach in the places of power eventually, and they will be the people who run our country. And uh, we believe that university campuses are the most strategic mission field. If you want to reach the world, you reach the university campuses. And we consider it an honor to honor God has called to do that. Um, I would like to maybe share a story and then jump into, the, jump into God's word. There was about 14 years ago, while I was still in Texas, there was a there was a guy named Johnny that I met, and he was sitting on a bench in front of International Student Building at the university called Sam Houston State University. That's where we were serving at the time. I was on campus one of those morning prayer walks. I met Johnny. He's sitting there. I asked him, hey, man, what you doing? Why are you sitting here alone? I said, well, I'm waiting here for my friends to come so that we can go to Walmart and get me a bike, and I got here two days ago. And he said, they should be here five minutes before, but they're not here yet. Would you have time to go to Walmart with me? I said, I do have time to go to Walmart with you. And we got him a bike. And after that, I dropped him off. After two hours, I dropped him off at his dormitory. And he said, yes, can we have breakfast tomorrow? And that was the beginning of a friendship. And eventually, he started to come to small groups. Small group is nothing but, you know, I've seen the small group here. So small group is just... Few men come together, study the word, and live life together. He started to become part of that. And uh, I had the privilege of seeing him walking down the aisle one day and giving his life to Jesus. Five years afterwards, he went back to Taiwan to, do, to continue the work, uh, the business that his mom was running. And a few years after that, he called me. Hey, CS. I have a good news. I found a godly woman. She is from China. She loves the Lord. She can play piano. And I love this girl. And I want to get married to her. Would you come and do my wedding? Sure. So I had the privilege to do his wedding in Taipei. I was there for a week. And toward the end of my trip, and he said, hey, I didn't get a, 
and get to tell you this, but this happened. Since I came back, my mother started walking with the Lord and my older brother, he started walking with the Lord. And I want to tell you, Johnny was the first person in his family to come to know Jesus. And because he came to know Jesus, his family have come to know Jesus. So when we say that university campuses are the most strategic mission field, it is not a rhetoric. If you want to change the world, you start changing the university students. You live in a great city with the students from all parts of the world. Why wouldn't we reach the students from different parts of the country so that God's name will be glorified? And we honor that uh, uh, to be here. How we can be part of it, you can do three things. I, wherever I travel, I, I tell them three things that you can pray for. Pray for the revival in our country. What revival is not something happened on a Friday evening or a Saturday evening or a Sunday morning. Revival happens when God's people desire God above everything. The hunger starts from the gut, from your gut. You desire God. Unless you come, we cannot do anything. It is in that desire God decides to show up. And when he shows up, things happen. We call it revival. And if all of us desire Jesus, the ultimate thing in our life, and I cannot, I can, we will see God's move in our time in this city. So be praying for that. Number two, you can pray for God will bring relationships in Boston. As you can know, out of 35 schools, 34 of them are private schools. You know what that means? That means we cannot be on campus. Private schools doesn't need people like me on their campus. They want to be, get out of the campus, what they say. I was just talking to one of, one of the friends here. He said, hey, it is hard to be a campus missionary to go to Fordham School. That is all of Boston. Private schools doesn't need you there. Would you be praying God will open Godly relationships that, that so that kingdom will be established. And three, God will provide resources for God's work. Let's turn into the book of Jonah, chapter 1. <clears throat> I'll be reading a long passage for you. <clears throat> we are in a hurry. So let's, let's go into Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, and then 4, chapter 4, verse 1 to 9. Sorry, four chapter, chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. We will start with Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it. To go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. But it, but it displeased John exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, take, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Let's go to verse 10, chapter 4. 
And the Lord said, you pitied the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. God, we ask that you would come and open our hearts and help us to lean in and listen to you and what you're asking us to do, Lord. Let us not just be hearers of another sermon and go away thinking, well, that was great. But would you give us a tenacity, the responsibility to obey you and walk with you and care for what you care. Come, Holy Spirit, move in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. This particular passage is not unfamiliar. If you have been within the Pentecostal for several years, you may have heard a few sermons from this passage. But let us lean in and ask God what he will speak to us today. The title of the sermon is A Prophet's Journey to God's Heart. A prophet's journey to God's heart. There are a few things I want to mention before we jump into the sermon. The first thing is the person named Jonah. He's the prophet God is talking to you in this story. And Nineveh is the place God is sending him on a mission. And Tarshish, the most remote destination available to Jonah. And the plant is the particular plant God appointed to give Jonah comfort. There are three things we're going to look. God's prophet Jonah, he is a running prophet. And he is an angry prophet. And also, he's a happy prophet. First one, he is a running prophet. God gives Jonah a very clear direction to go to Nineveh. He's on a mission of saving the people of Nineveh. Not Jonah. God is on the mission of saving people of Nineveh. I wanted to tell you that the mission that you're doing, it cannot be your mission. It has to be always the mission of God. It is always the mission of God to save the people because we are not just his creature. God made us in his image and God's heart breaks and he's on a mission to love them, to reach out to them and to save them or to take them back with him to his home. So we are on his mission. It says that evil of the people of Nineveh has come before me. This means God is getting ready to do something about the evil of these people. But God reaches out to his servant prophet Jonah and sends him on the mission of God. And the only thing Jonah must do is to preach against their evil so that they might repent. So Jonah received the word from God. He understood very clearly the task God gave him. He knew what must he to accomplish this mission of God. However, instead of joyfully being part of this master's mission, Jonah began to run away from the task God gave him. He goes to the port and buys a ticket to Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles away to the opposite direction which God asked him to go. God asked him to go to Nineveh, which is only 500 miles from where he was 
where he was sitting at the time. But Jonah buys a ticket 2,500 miles away to go away from God's direction. Hey, there is a principle here. When we disregard God's clear direction in our life, it, we never remains as the same place, number one, or it never remains as a one-time disobedience. Instead, we began to move away from him and will eventually find ourselves so far from his care. And life becomes so burdensome. We cannot just say, oh, that was just a one-time disobedience. This one-time disobedience will eventually take you to a place so far from God's provisions and God's care. I think about it this way all the time from a preacher's point of view as pastor. And if you're a preacher, you're sitting here. Man, this is a, this is a dream scenario that God shows up and tells you to do something. And then he promises that I'm going to deliver. How many of you would like to get assignment like that? I'm like, man, this is amazing. If God were coming to my living room and to see us go and do this, and then I'm going to deliver these people, why wouldn't you do that? Now, why would Jonah the prophet disregard such an opportunity? Why would Jonah disregard God's clear direction? Why would not Jonah go to Nineveh and preach the message of repentance? Why wouldn't he do that? After all, this is the only job he gets. He's a prophet. His only job is to listen from God and speak to people. But why wouldn't he do this? Nineveh is famous on for three factors. Nineveh is known for their military power. It was a city of war, and its warlike reputation was well-earned throughout its numerous conquests and cruel treatment of those who conquered. Israel lived in threat of Nineveh. Israel feared them. Jonah, being an Israelite, he did not like these people. Second, Nineveh was wealthy. Number third, Nineveh was a place of idolatry and sexual perversion. So there are three things going on. Military power, so much wealth, and so much idolatry. Jonah, the prophet from God, looks at that place I'm telling you, well, no, I, I'm, I don't want to go preach the gospel to those people. Because because of those people, my parents and grandparents and their parents have suffered. I don't want to go and preach the gospel to these people. Uh, this is one of the reasons he ran away from God's direction. In a short, it was a city of evil, well-deserving of God's wrath, according to Jonah. And Jonah did not want them to escape this anger of God. Jonah wanted them to pay the price for their evil. Simply, Sir Jonah hated them. He did not care if the people of Nineveh were all dead. In some sense, Jonah wished if they were all dead. Jonah hated those people. Jonah hated the people of Nineveh because of Israel's history with them. Israel were defeated, treated with cruelty by the people of Nineveh. Jonah was a victim of the evil works of the people of Nineveh. Jonah believed that the people of Nineveh should pay for what they have done and they have been doing. In one sentence, 
Jonah ran away from God's clear direction for the people of Nineveh because he wanted to control the outcome for the people of Nineveh. Let me tell you this, you and I, we run away from God's specific directions in our life because we want to control the outcome. We want to control the outcome. <clears throat> Second, angry Jonah. First one we read, Jonah who disobeys running away from God. Second, angry Jonah. God listens to the cry of the people of Nineveh after Jonah preached to them. And God had compassion toward them, seeing the repentance and compassion of God toward them and the fact that God spared them from judgment. Jonah the prophet is now displeased and angry at God. There are two reasons why Jonah is angry at God. First one, Jonah is just not happy at the fact that God compassion toward them. Jonah believed in the compassion of God. He must have had experience in his own life. He says, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from the disaster. Jonah believed God should not have compassion to evildoers and idolaters like the people of Nineveh. He, he believed that God should have compassion only to certain people. You get angry at God, not because you lack something, but because God chose to bless somebody that you hate. Can you be angry at God for that reason? Jonah is angry at God for that reason. Those group of people, they hate you, God. They hate my people. They try to kill me. Why would you ever love them? Jonah believed that because the people of Nineveh were not compassionate toward his people, so God should not be compassionate toward them. First reason, Jonah is displeased and angry at God because God showed compassion to the undeserving. This is what it is. God told them, hey, God's love for people is beyond my personal feelings. You need to understand that. You know the people that you are thinking about your head, you think they're mad at you? God loves them just like the way he loves you. That's how it works. This is what Jonah is going through here. The prophet of God, this is exactly what Jonah is going through. Those people, God, you, these people who hates me and my people so much, how could you ever love them? But God showed compassion toward them and he doesn't like it. And then God tells them, hey, my love for people is beyond your personal feelings. Number two, second reason why he's angry about is this. Chapter 4, verse 4 to 9. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself. He sat under in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it to come up over Jonah that it, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that is withered. 
when the run when the sun rose god appointed a scorching east wind and sat and the sun beat down on the head of the jonah so that he was faint do you know why jonah is angry here god took away the plan that he gave him first time jonah was angry because god was compassionate second time he's angry because god took away the plan god gave him does it ring a bell remember the time that you do angry at god because god took away the thing that he gave us one time we see here god's god asked jonah twice do you do well to be angry and first time jonah said angry because of sparing the people of nineveh from judgment it is like hey think about this if you think of i was thinking it's amazing god's prophet as god's people when we choose to run our life based on feelings it does not go well this is what's going on here jonah is running his life completely based on what he felt and this is a but jonah knows that god i know that you are a god of compassion i know that you are slow to anger I know that you are abounding in grace. So how do you refer the truths about God and the feelings of the prophet? How do we make decisions in the life? Are is our choices based on the truths about God or what I feel? my feelings should change based on the nature and character of god that is what god is compassionate is slow to anger is abounding in mercy that is the nature of god that jonah knows but he chose to live in a world in which his feelings controls him it's amazing right and he's not just a new believer he was a prophet for crying out loud right is a prophet Jonah was angry at God because God showed compassion toward them and the second time when God asked him do you do well to be angry he replies I do well to be angry angry enough to die it was because God decided to take away the comfort he gave Jonah or he thinks God was not compassionate toward him that he pointed a worm to kill the plan second reason Jonah is displeased and angry at God because God decided to take away the comfort he gave him one reason to run away from god that is control the outcome two reason to be angry the first reason was god was compassionate toward the people he hated number two reason god jonah is angry because god took away the comfort he gave him the then there is we learn something the happy prophet the only time in that particular story jonah was ever happy do you remember when and god gave him a plant this is the reality right the only time we are happy with god is god gives you what you want when god gives you what do you want is the reason of a happiness let me tell you that is not going to go too far the god who gave you what you needed also what you wanted he also will take that away from you that exactly what happened here 
the tired Jonah, angry Jonah. This is how God approaches him, right? Jonah, you're angry at me. You know, you're so angry. You know what? Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just create a plant over you just to give you some shades as you are angry at me. Do you remember that time? You were so angry at God, but God just miraculously gave something to you. That's the God we serve. He's so compassionate, so merciful, and so loving. Even when you're angry at him, he still keeps providing. But then we turn around and angry at him again because he took that from us. This is a prophet's journey to the God's heart. First reason Jonah is displaced and angry at God because God showed compassion to a people who underserved. And second reason he is angry at God because God decided to take away the comfort he gave him. In both the the thing is the same. God, you bless those people who are so undeserving, but cursed me who is well-deserving. God, you gave them, they don't deserve, but you took from me what I deserve. Or, Jonah is deeply disappointed at God. Does it ring a bell to you? That you're angry at God because you are so disappointed at God. It seems like God failed you. But isn't it amazing how angry prophet gets at God for being in compassion to the undeserving and taking away momentary comfort that God gave him. The God's response is this. And Lord said, you pity the plan for which you did not labor. Did you make it grow? Which came into being in a night and perished in a night, Jonah. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in reserve, 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. God is showing Jonah his own heart. Hey, Jonah, you're crying out for this plant. But have you ever thought about this? My heart is burning. My heart is crushed for this 120,000 people whom you think so undeserving. But I made them in my image. And Jonah, the prophet of God, sees the, the heart of God for the first time in his life. Let me ask you, my friends here, is it possible for us to walk with God for 15 years and never saw the heart of God? Never, ever saw the heart of God. Is it possible for us to be the prophets of God, but never, ever seen the heart of God? Is it, is it possible for me to be the greatest Christian in Hicksville, in this church, or whatever you think, but never been ever thought about the people who does not walk with God and think that God made them in His image and He loves them so deeply? Is it possible? Is it possible? Jonah tells it's possible. It's possible for us to think that you're a prophet of God or you walk with God, but you never, ever seen the heart of God. It is possible. Worship team, you can come forward. Jonah was sent on a mission. What? 
he did not really understand the intensity of this mission. John didn't understand the worth of the people he was sent to preach. John didn't understand the character of God that he so deeply believed and served. Jonah did not only understood the importance of the momentary comfort in his own life. Think about this. Jonah the prophet didn't understand the people whom he so hated. He did not know that God loves them. He was out of touch with the people in his life. Jonah did not understand the character of God he was preaching about. He never saw this heart of God that he was so boldly preaches about. The only thing that he knew was the comfort. The only time he's excited is when he got what he wanted. Jonah was out of touch with his surroundings, out of touch with the message he was sent to preach, the only in touch with his own comfort. That was Jonah. I do not know where you're at today, but let me tell you this. God placed you where you're at. You just, if you walk with the Lord and if you say that Jesus is the Lord of your life, you never end up in any place. Does that make sense? That means when you say that he is the Lord of my life, and when you walk with him, when you live a surrendered life, you have to believe that the place that you are in today, God placed you there. And to live a life of understanding what's going on around you, and also understanding this nature and character so deeply and live the message where God placed you and also not only seek your comfort all the time. And this is what Jesus did. Right? This is exactly what Jesus, he says that he he disregarded his comfort to be in heaven. He humbled himself to come into our world because he was in touch with us. He looks at until see us is so broken that I need to go to this world and fix him so that he can live a holy life. I want to go into this world and live a holy life so that see us and you can learn to live a holy life. That's exactly what Jesus did. Would you stand with me today? Let me tell you a story. Don't leave at this place just thinking that was a great sermon. Just try to meet with Jesus. He knows your heart. Pastor doesn't know it. Your small group leader doesn't know it. But Jesus knows you. He knows your heart very well. He, ne- he knows what you need. And he has what you need. He will not ask you to do anything without giving himself to you. It's, I, I always tell you to the people here, when God asks you to do something, it is not that, here is the job, go do it. No, as soon as you say, yes, Lord, he comes with you, and he comes beside you, and encourages you, and walks with you, and do it together with you. Amen. That's the God. He loves you so much. Let me tell you a story here of a Marlboro boy who grew up in to be one of the greatest missionaries in first and first missionary that America ever sent out, Adoniram Judson. He was born in Malden, Massachusetts in 1812. Adoniram and Anne, his wife, sailed to the east initially on track for India, but Adoniram Judson ended up in Burma 
from the beginning of their marriage it was the marriage was centered around god's call on their lives to missions both adoniram and anne knew god's command to reach the unreached and spend their entire lives sharing the gospel to the unreached adoniram and anne jetson went through many hard times in burma the poor food unbearable heat Widespread disease made life so unbearable and difficult. Two of their babies died in the terrible climate. Both Anne and Adoniram were imprisoned during the war with Britain. And his dear wife died of terrible conditions in Burma. Adoniram married a second time. Sarah and they had eight children together. A few years after, in 1845, Sarah died. looking for medical condition when adoniram jetson died in 1850 there were 7000 baptized believers 63 christian congregations and 163 missionaries in burma did he made the right choice to this day over 150 years later His Burmese translation is still in use. Adoniram Jetson was buried into the watery depths of Bay of Bengal in India. Adoniram Jonah lived Adoniram Jetson lived a life in touch with the message and character of God and in touch with the people who was sent to and out of touch with his own comfort. We read of a prophet who is lived out of touch with people and out of touch with message only in touch with comfort but here we hear a story a prophet a missionary who lived in touch with the message in touch with the people who were sent to and out of touch with comfort hey let me tell you you don't have to go to burma you don't have to go to any place god placed you in a place where you're at for his kingdom your comfort is not the end goal the glory of god is the end goal and god wants to use you where he placed you in the hospitals in the offices in the it buildings in new york the financial district wherever god placed you you i wanted to go there as a missionary the gods you wanted to carry that you look around and see these people can change the world and you pour into their life and don't just always seeking what's convenient and what's comfort but god placed you with a purpose and he is willing to use you if you follow him may i ask you in a very personal way are you running away from god's specific direction today God asked you to do things very clearly but you want to control the outcomes you're not obeying. Take it to the Lord and tell him, God, I want to obey the very specific direction you asked me to do. I'm I'm letting go of my control. He said God is going to help you. Are you running away from a direction God gave you to personal regarding your family, your neighborhood? Arise and go to next door. Arise and go to the next Quebec. arise and go to the next person and trust him god is going to help you hey this morning jesus is calling us to a life in touch with the message we carry a life that reflects the character of god we talk so much about but we less we live so less let's pray father we thank you
that you're a good God. Oh, that you love us so well. We come before you with a surrendered heart. Oh God, sometimes we are just like this prophet Jonah. You gave us a job, and, but we were reluctant about doing it well. So we ask, would you show us your heart? Would you show us your heart, Lord? Our eyes always are searching the comfort, the things that we can get from you. Oh God, would you forgive of our selfish desires to get things from you, but never taken time to see your heart? Help us, Lord. Thank you for these men and women here today. Thank you for the obedience to what you're telling them to do. Encourage them. Holy Spirit, fill them. Guide them. As they are taking steps to obey you, would you go alongside of them? Lead them, Jesus. Father, as a church, it is our desire to let your kingdom come here. To let your kingdom come in Hicksville, Jesus. Let your kingdom come in wherever the people of God lives and work. Oh, you are so good. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.